Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, folks. We are joined by Raphael Goyaneci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. Raphael, welcome to the show. Hey, my pleasure, Neil. How are you? Rafi, you always have your finger on the pulse of what's going on in the criminal justice system, and I understand that... Um, You've, you've unco- uncovered a practice that has not um, been exercised, authority has not been exercised by the New Orleans District Attorney's Office relative to forfeiting bonds on individuals who don't show up for court. Tell us about it. Right. So when a felony suspect is arrested, if they're released from custody, the method that they're released from most frequently is pursuant to them posting bail through a commercial surety company. And one of the conditions of release is that they appear in court for their proceedings. So if an offender that's been released on a commercial surety bond fails to appear in court, the state can commence to forfeit the bond. So using as an example, a bond is set at $100,000. The offender has to post with a bail bondsman in Orleans Parish. I believe the fee is 12.5% premium. So they have to come out of pocket with $12,500 to get out. And if they fail to come to court, then the bondsman is potentially on the hook for the full $100,000 bond. But before the district attorney's office can claim that $100,000, they need to document that the offender has failed to return to court. And that's called a bond forfeiture proceeding. So what we found was that during covid Uh, The forfeiture proceedings were suspended beginning in 2020, which was the last year of Leon's Canizero's administration. And that continued into 2021, which was another COVID year, which is the first year of Jason Williams' administration. And uh, we were looking at this issue, and we discovered that there were about 407 violent felony offenders that were released on bond and simply failed to come back to court. And the district attorney's office failed to initiate forfeiture proceedings in a timely manner. So under these forfeiture laws, the district attorney, when someone fails to come to court, they're supposed to file an affidavit 
of forfeiture, present it to the clerk of court that will send that affidavit to the bail bonding company and to the defendant, and that has to be done within 60 days of their failure to appear. So we documented 407 violent felony cases, another 126 weapons felony charges, and a total of over uh, 1,200 cases in which the defendants failed to appear in court, going back from 2018. So we can't do anything about the cases, you know, up until recently because of the 60-day legal requirement to commence forfeiture proceedings. But we supplied the district attorney's office with a comprehensive list of all of these cases. And they've reviewed the violent felonies, and they've determined that there are uh, 64 that they said that they can begin to institute forfeiture proceedings, and they're still reviewing a couple of hundred more to see if they're still viable. So the most important thing that that we can hope to achieve going forward is, is this process is corrected because forfeiture statutes financially incentivize the bail bonding company to go out and hunt down their client and get them back to court. If there is no financial consequence for the offender failing to come to court, then the bail bondsman is not going to hire a bounty hunter to go out and apprehend them and surrender them. It costs more money. So, you know, what is happening now, we presented this information to the New Orleans District Attorney's Office, and uh, they are now proceeding, uh, and I think as recently as last week, began to confect their their first uh, bond forfeiture since um, Jason Williams' administration took office. So um, moving forward. Did they forward, ever say why this went to the wayside? I mean, it, did so they know that, I mean, this, I, this was intentional? I, ha I haven't been informed why they, you know, I told you that COVID, the yeah. practice was suspended, but the that doesn't excuse the fact that the COVID uh, exemptions lifted uh, in 2022 and why they didn't begin to reinstitute policies of, of bond forfeitures. Because if, if that's the case, then the police arrest, the district attorney's office charges, the offender just walks away once they post bail, and they're never held accountable. So, um, I mean, when we're talking about violent crimes, we're talking about, you know, murders, attempt murders, sexual batteries, aggravated right. batteries, ag assaults with a firearm, domestic right. abuse. So we, I mean, there's so probably have, a big jambalaya these that are out there. Huh? Well, of the 407, five of them were for attempted murder, 17 were rape, sex offense. Uh, individuals, 56 were charged with robbery offenses, 121 assault or felony battery, 
uh, uh, felony assault or felony battery, and another 164 domestic violence felony offenders. So those are, under Louisiana law, defined as violent offenses, and there were 407 seven of those that just failed to come to court, and there was no consequence. So, uh, now so Rafi, this, this let is me, an important tool. Let, let, me, let me just interrupt one second and say this. And we wonder why we have the crime, and I want you to react to it, and, I'll, and if you think I'm wrong, just tell me. And we wonder why we have the crime problem we have. Yeah. I agree. Your, I your agree. reaction. So these have to be held accountable. I mean, this is pretty low-hanging fruit in the overall scheme of things. I mean, my experience with district attorney's office, there's usually one or two people in the office that are responsible for these bond forfeitures because it is procedurally, it's kind of a pain in the neck, right? There's some very Technical. uh, technical and defined things that you have to do on certain timelines because you're actually taking people's money, right? And and yep. uh, from the surety, and and that's okay, and that's good. We know the rules going in. We just got to execute. Exactly. It's a it's a potential source of revenue too, uh, yeah. to fund the operations of the district attorney's office. So really, forfeitures are a mechanism under Louisiana law to compel a defendant's appearance, and also interrupts prescription. So it's an important tool that needs to be used, and uh, it had fallen into disuse under uh, the current, you know, under Jason Williams' administration. So it's back in the tool bag now. It's starting to, to be utilized. And I think that what that means is that the dockets are probably going to, court dockets, the open inventories, are going to be higher because um, if they're actually proceeding with forfeitures, more of the people that have elected to try and evade the prosecution by simply not coming back to court, they're going to be brought back to court, if not voluntarily, involuntarily, after they're surrendered by the bail bonding company back into the custody of the sheriff's office. And the proceedings will move forward them with them in custody. So, um, you know, this is, I, I was surprised to see the numbers be what they are when we're looking at the numbers uh, of uh, felony arrests and the outcomes. One of the things that jumped out to us is that uh, over 1,200 of these, uh, these cases were uh, in limbo because the defendant went at large, and then when I looked a little bit deeper, well, did they forfeit the bonds? And the answer was no, and that explains why the number is so high. So if there is no consequence for failing to come to court, so in every one of these cases, the judge in the case issued a capius, which is an order, a judicial order, to arrest the subject. The problem is no one is going out and looking for those individuals. So if the district attorney's office is on top of this, when it comes to violent offenders, uh, if someone fails to come to court, they start the forfeiture process. It puts 
pressure on the bail bonding company to go out and bring them in. The district attorney's office also has investigators that can be assigned to go out and look for some of these people. The district attorney's office could provide lists to the police department and their warrant squad and ask them to go out and look for them. None of that was happening in this. So this, this is a system failure problem, and I agree completely with what you said. Uh, and the general rule is the people that are most likely to commit a crime are people that have recently been arrested for a crime. And here are 1,200 people that had been arrested. The district attorney's office uh, screened the case and determined that there was sufficient evidence to prosecute those individuals. A prosecution was commenced, and the offenders posted bail, and they just didn't come back to court, and no one bothered to go look for them. And since forfeiture laws weren't being applied in these cases, uh, there was no uh, incentive for the bail binding company to bring these people back to court. The following statement, fair statement or not, what exacerbates this situation as well is that in this particular court, you probably, for these violent uh, felony offenders, you probably have some of the lowest bonds set across the state of Louisiana. Yes or no? As a general rule, yes, yes, yes. So but you what just... I have seen in the recent past, bail amounts are going up. And I think that is in large part because of the public scrutiny that's been applied to violent offenders. So the news media does a good job of exposing this. I know your station has uh, victims on routinely talking about this issue. So I think that while bail I think statewide is probably not as high today as it was 10 or 15 years ago. I think that uh, bail bottomed out during the first two years of the Jason Williams administration, and it wasn't just because of him. In large part, it was because of some of the judges that were elected to the bench on a progressive platform. And then and they appointed I, magistrates that were equally progressive. Yep. So right? now, when Jason, yes, you're correct. So when Jason was elected and when he was running, he said that he wasn't going to advocate for, for high bail anymore. He's, you know, within the first year of office, he recognized that that policy, while it sounded good during the campaign, wasn't producing the desired results. And now he advocates for bail. So yesterday there was a, a story about Tata Se, who was arrested yeah. for attempted murder and armed robbery that cut off his ankle bracelet and absconded. Uh, he was arrested in less than 24 hours. After he was put back in custody, the district attorney's office filed a motion, and they're going to request no bail for him. So in 2022, when Jason was, uh, I'm sorry, in 2021, when Jason was elected as DA, that would not have been the case. In 2023, uh, he has recognized that 
to do his job as the prosecutor. He has to advocate for victims and witnesses. And at least in, in you know this particular case, this is an example of some of his policies that have been modified moving forward. And uh, you know I support uh, their move, particularly on the Tatasse case and some of the other uh, things that uh, they're attempting to do, which deviates from his campaign pledges when he was seeking the office. That, you know, I, I expressed my frustration yesterday, um, and and I must apologize to my listening audience because I, I didn't, ref, when I was talking about the judge, I'm talking about the judge that actually set the bond, because in, in it, my my perspective, from my perspective, a $175,000 bond, which you have to put up 12.5%, so less than thirty grand, you get out on an attempt first-degree murder, and the victim is paralyzed for life. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I don't know. I, I can't go through the mental exercise to connect those dots. Not now, not ever. You know, that, that we would allow that. Uh, I understand that they were able to make the bond, and they put them on 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 the um, house arrest. The electronic with house house yeah. arrest with the electronic monitor. It get it gets cut off. This should be the sanction. He sits his ass in jail, waiting to go to trial. I mean, you know, uh, he he got the bargain of the century: a low bond, electronic monitor. I can promise yeah. you that bond in Jefferson Parish would not have been one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. Right. And and again. I asked the question, and we wonder why the crime rate is what it is in the city of New Orleans. Right. But the judges that set the bond were elected by the people of the city of New Orleans. And it's not like they they ran on a, a platform that they were going to set high bond. They ran on a platform that they were going to protect the rights of the offenders. In many instances, they didn't even acknowledge the victims and witnesses or the law-abiding citizens when they were running for office. And uh, the last couple of judicial uh, elections, uh, the turnout was 10 or 15 percent. So you get what you elect. You know, well, there's no doubt about it. And and you know, everybody feels like that they're untouchable as it relates to this. You're not. I mean, just the other evening, I had a situation. I think I was seconds away. Um, I can't prove it from being carjacked. I, I came up upon a car at a red light. It was it was in the late evening hours, and all of a sudden the back door opens, and I see a leg come out of the back the back door. Right. Well, mm-hmm. why? And you're in the room. So you're driving. Yeah, you're stopped. No, I mean we're at a stop. So I, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm reaching, at that point in time for, for my pistol, right? Mm-hmm. Lucky for me, a motorcycle pulls up right next to the vehicle at the red light. They immediately close the door, close the door, run through the red light. No license plate on the car, no nothing, you know, tinted windows, take off. And the color of the car was so muted, I couldn't even tell what the color of the automobile was um, there because there was not a lot of lighting uh, and, and took off. Yep. And, 
you know, and so there's no one immune, nowhere, at no time from crime. And I don't know why people are not having that as top of mind when they're walking in and they close those curtains on that voting booth and they vote. Yep. You, In my view, the best approach is to vote as though you're about to be a victim. And we yep. would be much better served at the end of the day. We'll be right back with Raphael Goinecci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. Stay with us, folks. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, folks. We're visiting with Raphael Goyeneci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. Rafi, there's been a uh, number of complaints that have been filed with the Ethics Board. The Ethics Board most recently found uh, the mayor in violation relative to booking first-class flights to wherever. Um, and and um, be, the mayor allegedly has paid the city back. I'm not sure that we had ever had a complete audit or accounting reported out on that issue. But I, I also understand that there was a complaint filed relative to the use of the Pontalba that the ethics board punted on. Tell us about it. Right. So in September of 22, the Metropolitan Crime Commission was the first entity to expose the fact that the mayor was using the Pontabla apartment as a second residence for personal purposes. And prior to Mayor Cantrell, that, that unit, that apartment was not utilized as a second residence or being used to entertain friends and family of the mayor. So in October of 22, the MCC filed an ethics complaint with the Louisiana Board of Ethics, and we cited the state statute that says that no public servant shall receive anything of value other than their compensation uh, from the governmental entity to which they are duly entitled. So the mayor is entitled to receive her salary and benefits, but she's the mayor of the city of New Orleans, not the governor, and that apartment isn't the governor's mansion. That, that apartment is not the White House. The city of New Orleans expects their mayor to maintain their own residence and report to work. And the mayor uh, decided to start using that Pontabla apartment as a second residence. And her comings and goings were documented by the Crime Commission, 
but also by one of the TV stations that obtained a uh, video footage from the camera that the French Market Corporation installed literally right in front of the front door of the apartment that the mayor would go in and out of, documenting her comings and goings. And during uh, the, uh, those videos showed her coming and going, showed that only one member of a security team was allowed into the apartment coming and going. And uh, there was no documentation either presented by the mayor or captured on video that that unit was used for any official public purpose other than for her second uh, residency, or second residence. So we filed a complaint with the Ethics Board in October uh, of 2022. And in October of this year, we got a response from the Ethics Board uh, saying that uh, they had declined to pursue any further action against the mayor. And they provided us with a copy of their letter to the mayor saying that they elected to take no action against her. The ethics board's letter said that and justified the, their decision saying that first there was no memorandum of understanding between the city of New Orleans and the French Market Corporation regarding the use of the mayor's apartment. Uh, but they confirmed in the letter that the mayor had admitted to using the apartment without paying rent. Uh, they cited a ordinance that was passed in April of 23, banning the mayor from using the apartment uh, as a residence without paying rent and said that the unit must be used by the mayor in her official duties and can't be stayed in overnight. So the ethics board didn't take into consideration, or if they did, they didn't cite it in the letter, all the video evidence showing the mayor coming and going. But the ordinance, they said that there was no clarification prior to that April of 23 ordinance banning the use of it in the overnight stay. But in July of 23, there was video evidence of the mayor using that apartment again during Essence Festival. And she stayed in it overnight, and the unit was being used by her visiting family from out of town, which to me is a clear violation of the revised statute, and it was uh, a violation of the city ordinance which would trigger, I believe, uh, a, a sanction for violating the state law. But the Ethics Review Board declined by a 6-2 to two vote to pursue enforcement, but they cautioned her in that letter that any further personal use of that city-owned property may subject you to uh, future civil actions and, and penalties. So, um, so are, are you are you convinced that they had the evidence of the Essence Fest violation uh, post 
passing of the ordinance or not? Well, sure. All of that was publicized. It was out there. So the Ethics Review Board has investigators. They know right. all. You know, all of this. This is things that they were. They had it for over a year. They were considering this for over a year. So I believe what they did announce was that they decided to charge the mayor under the same provisions that we cited in our complaint uh, with uh, uh, upgrading her travel 15 times to the tune of nearly $29,000. The difference between that case and our case is, I think, the proof that's required. So with respect to the mayor's upgrades and uh, traveling uh, documented $29,000 with impermissible upgrades on 15 different flights, uh, the burden of proof is much easier because the mayor in those cases acknowledged that she wasn't entitled to it by the fact that she took out a loan and paid the money back to the city of New Orleans. And the only thing that the Ethics Review Board can do is issue a fine. So essentially, they concluded that they were going to pursue the travel upgrades, but not the personal use of the apartment. In my opinion, I believe what we documented was more egregious than the upgrades, at the very least, because she paid the money back to the city for the upgrades. She didn't pay anything back for her use of that apartment for personal purposes. And I believe that if if there was justification to charge her with ethics violations for the upgrades on travel, I believe that there was ample proof to charge her with the impermissible, improper use of that apartment for personal purposes. Well, if nothing else, she exhibited a level of arrogance post uh, ordinance with uh, her conduct relative to that apartment during essence. Uh, we, you and I talked about it then. Everybody pointed it out. Uh, she knew what the rule was. She just didn't care. Right, right. And, you know, keep in mind that it was announced that uh, the mayor was being charged with with ethics violations for travel upgrades. And the day that it came out, the mayor had traveled to Kenya for uh, a plastic uh, uh, environmental con- uh, conference in Kenya. She knew these; she was going to be charged. I think, mm-hmm. I, I believe, this is my personal opinion. Yeah, they usually notify you in advance. That, yeah. yeah, you know, she decided to travel as a uh, you know, as a a, a waving the the thumb uh, at at the ethics administration because she was out of town, traveling on the city's nickel to Kenya for a United Nations conference, and it was basically her way of thumbing her nose at the ethics review board for charging her with ethics violations with respect to. Uh, travel upgrades that she wasn't entitled to receive. I sense you're frustrated by the way that this has been handled. (laughs) 
you're very perceptive. Uh, <laughs> I say that at all. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, you know, and I, I and I try to put myself, you know, and I'm thinking about the council because I, I watch them in these hearings and all of this other stuff, and they they're completely and totally frustrated. Um, yeah. With yeah. With, yeah. with having to to deal with these, you know, uh, deflections, denial, you know, evading. Um, and then, and then, and then the mayor attacks everybody else as though they're responsible for pointing um, these these issues of lack of judgment uh, at the at the be- at the best, you know. But well, I, I guess the good news with respect to this is that it can't happen again, because after the mayor basically ignored the ordinance change that was put into play in April. And the council found out about what she did during Essence Fest, uh, using the apartment again, staying overnight, using it to entertain visiting family from out of town to attend the Essence Fest. That wasn't any official public purpose. And the council voted to put that apartment that had been assigned to the mayor's office for decades back into commerce and return it to the French Market Corporation and told them to lease that apartment out. So if that was the basis of that council vote, all of that was public record and the Ethics Review Board was aware of it and their decision not to prosecute or go forward and take action with respect to the issues framed by the Metropolitan Crime Commission they weren't approved by a unanimous vote. It was a 62 vote. Two members right. of the board disagreed uh, with that decision. And I think that they probably disagreed on the basis of uh, the fact that what I've just explained to you, that she right. hasn't paid them that money back, hasn't acknowledged that she did anything wrong. And if they were going to charge her with impermissible uh, benefits from travel, the apartment was no different. It was a personal use of a public asset that's prohibited by the ethics laws as well as the Louisiana state constitution. Rafi, have we confirmed whether or not there's a new tenant in that apartment? No, no, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I have reports that uh, a couple of weeks back that they were cleaning out the apartment. Uh, but I don't know what else has happened since then. I don't know if it's uh, been leased out, whether it's uh, being occupied or what state of. One one would uh, think uh, that the French Market Corporation would, like, put out a release saying that the apartment's been leased, right? One would, one I don't would think, think that. Well, keep in mind that <laughs> the French Market Corporation is uh 100% owned by the mayor's office the mayor appoints everyone to the french market corporation no i know so uh, i don't <laughs> think they're going to do anything that's going to call further attention that might embarrass their appointing authority right no doubt we'll be right back we're vi- we're visiting with rafael goinecci president of the metropolitan crime commission stay with us this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, folks. We're visiting with Raphael Goyeneci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. Rafi, I have your report of the Orleans crime trends as of November 12th, which is day 314 out of day 365. Roughly 200 murders uh, reported as of that date. Last week was kind of a rough week, seven murders adding to that total. Right. So, you know, we've had a spike. Now, of course, uh, a spike doesn't a trend make. And there are a lot of good things that are happening right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, people haven't heard much from the new superintendent. And that doesn't mean that uh, it's not because she isn't busy. There are a lot of moving parts in play. Uh, week before last, uh, there was a uh, announcement about 44 people arrested based on a joint task force in the second and six districts. They removed uh, a lot of those were violent felony offenders. They took a lot of guns out of commerce. Uh, it's not just the NOPD. It is uh, some of the federal agencies like the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, the FBI, state police, and they're all collectively working together, identifying some of the hot spots uh, within each district. Both of those districts border on one another. They have offenders that pop back and forth across the district boundary lines. And the superintendent in the police department is very, very focused on the crime hotspots and the known uh, offenders that are responsible for a disproportionate amount of this crime. So that announcement a week ago is going to be the first of many more that are to come. Uh, based on, I think, the leadership of the new superintendent and recognizing what a valuable asset uh, their state and federal partners can be as a, an additional tool to assist the police department in combating crime while the department rebuilds the numbers of officers to the level that is necessary to police this city. There was also an announcement of a new uh, SWAT team unit, correct? I didn't see that. You know, yeah, but, there was a uh, I think there's going to be a lot of new announcements of new yeah. things, and that's what's so refreshing. You know, this superintendent isn't learning on the job how to be a superintendent. She's been a superintendent for 20 years. Right. So she knows uh, what it takes to address these issues. She doesn't have to be mentored or, or told what to do. She knows, and I think that the energy – the experience, the knowledge that she brings is uh, already starting to produce results, and I think that those results will accelerate in the weeks and months ahead. Absolutely. We will keep our fingers crossed for sure and uh, hope for the best. 
Rafi, thank you so much for joining us. Always appreciate uh, your time, your insight. Um, have a great week. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, folks, we'll be right back. We'll check in with Scoot. He's up next. Coming your way. Stay tuned. This is Newell on WWL. Scoot's up next, and he joins us. What do we have coming up, Scoot? Well, I, I can't explain why, but it, it seems like this year, over every other year, this time change is just different to me. It really seems like it's getting dark, like, really early. And I know it happens every year, but for some reason this year seems to be a little different. Well, we'll talk about that. Also, we hear all the time that America started going to hell when they took God out of schools. It's a commonly held belief, but is it true? We'll talk about that. And also, um, the four-month-long Hollywood strike is over, so a lot of projects were put on hold. We'll talk about uh, some of the projects that uh, are going to be coming up now that the Hollywood strike is over. Absolutely. Scoot's up next. Stay tuned, folks. Hope you enjoyed today's show. We'll see you again in the morning. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.